service on table four. Chef? Yep. Table seven said the lamb's undercooked. What? They want it to be cooked together? No, that's... That's fine. It's supposed, it's pink. It's supposed I, to be pink. I did try and explain that to them. What's the problem? Did you? Did you explain it to them? What's the problem? What table? Seven. Okay, well, they didn't ask very well done. The best very well done. That's you? lamb, darling. Okay. That's how it's supposed to be. It's yeah. supposed to be pink. I know. I did explain okay, that to them. Okay, just take it. didn't listen to me. Okay. What table is it? Seven. Let me go and find it. No, no, no. Come on, just, just fry the shit out of it. Just build the ass That's how we're supposed to be. Turn it into fucking charcoal. All your voice. Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouthfuls podcast, a movie podcast with zero table manners. Each episode will be tucking into movies and maybe someday the odd television show to chow down on some of the most iconic cinematic cuisine scenes in cinema history. And let's be honest, sometimes we even just use the mere semblance of any form of food and or drink to talk about some of the less iconic cinematic cuisine scenes in cinema history, or as, you know... We like to call it an excuse to talk about whatever entertainment media we want. As always, I'm your host Jordan, aka the bloke trying to be known as the film fella online. And of course, I'm joined by the UK's number one competitive eater, a bloke who probably wouldn't care at all if your hygiene rating had slipped from a five to a three. It's my co-host, Bean Meets Food! No, I, w- I wouldn't even. I'd, I legitimately <laughs> would not care. I'd eat it somewhere with a one-star hygiene rating. I've got like an immune system. I'm just going to turn you down, Sonny Jim, because... You're coming through a little bit hot. You sound like, um, <laughs> you know, you know when when you're on the, an airplane and the, the captain's talking to you from the <laughs> cockpit. He's, he's trying to do that thing where he's trying to be friendly and introduce himself to people. Nobody really gives a shit. It's forcing himself. Anyway. Yeah, because the distortion. Like, so, yeah, I just turned you down a bit. Um, uh, don't uh, take offense at that. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm not too bad. At least you got the hygiene joke and went along with that, which I, I thought you would probably say that you weren't bothered. <laughs> Yeah, fuck, I don't think I've ever, ever in my life checked a hygiene rating of a place before eating there. I can, I'm, I'm absolutely certain of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all good. How, are, how are things with you since this past week? Yeah, all right. I, I, I don't have any <laughs> stories to tell you. Just the same old stuff, really. Still surviving. We're still. Oh, by the way, we should mention again. Obviously, um, I, I don't know at what point these podcasts that we're currently recording are going to come out. Hopefully, very soon. But we are still recording from our home um, in air quotes studios because uh, yeah, we haven't got keys to the other place, and I'm heading away soon, and you will be. So just to avoid the old. Covid lurgy, we're we're just keeping apart for a little bit, and then we'll be reunited in a couple of months, I guess. <laughs> reunited in like a slow mo loving embrace as we walk into the studio. We'll get some like um, I don't know, uh, some Michael Bolton playing in the background. Like, yes, How am I supposed to live without you. Gotta love a bit of Michael Bolton. We've got um, for this is completely irrelevant, but you brought him up. We've got a uh, Michael Bolton candle um in our bedroom and we was gifted it at a christmas party that we did last year we we met up with like a lot of his friends and one of the guys works for uh i don't know if it's live nation or somewhere like that i'm really sorry jokes i know you do listen to this but um one of the the music uh whatever you call them <laughs> like the people that put on gigs and he got um he got a load of freebies including michael bolton candles so we all got one of them for christmas is it in the- is it just a candle with like Michael Bolton printed on it, or is it in the shape of Michael Bolton? Uh, no, it's just a regular candle that I assume smells like Michael Bolton, which it smells pretty good to be fair. And it's just in a little black box with Michael Bolton's face on it and like his his logo and his trademark and all that kind of. 
That is Jazz. a weird gift. Scent of Bolton. That's, um, that's a str- yeah, a strange career, actually. But, I mean, this is not a music podcast, right? So, no, it's uh, not. Well, that's that's uh, the spin-off. I'd, lo- I'd, lo- <laughs> I'd love to do one of those, actually. I'm, I'm more, I'm tip- I would say generally more interested in music than in film. But, um, yeah, anyway, um, Michael Bolton. I was going to say R.I.P. then, but he's not dead. <laughs> no, he's not dead. He's not dead. <laughs> he's still among the living, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll just put that, we'll just park that music idea one day. You know, I think we have to kind of try and make this one semi-successful <laughs> before any future spin-offs. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got too much, too many fucking podcasts already. Two, two, like one is enough. You're just, you're, you're, you're just setting yourself up for a, a future sort of when you, when you retire from the old eating game. You just have like three podcasts on go. That's the plan. I'm just, I just said to Josh on the other. I don't know. That I want to like push the other one. No, it's but, fine. Uh, you could talk about the the less successful podcast that you do with Josh. It's fine. On the uh, on the on the way more successful podcast I do with Josh. <laughs> I, told, I told Josh I was like, if you could pay me like fifteen grand a year at some point from this, if we ever make any money, that's it. Like that's my retirement plan. Just <laughs> <laughs> put your feet up. Do do this yeah. as a as a as a free gig. Talk about some films, and you can talk about well the, the whole whole spatter and matter of stuff on on Josh's podcast. Yeah, this is pro bono work, man. <laughs> so um, I don't think I've seen anything new in this past week apart from this one film. I don't know about you. Oh, we normally do that. Man. Have you watched all? Man, I, do you remember like uh, when we when we not when we first started this, but somewhere in the middle of when we started it, um, <laughs> I I went on a bit of a rant about how I wasn't really that impressed by John Wick because I know you're a big John Wick fan. Yeah, yeah, Keanu all well, the way, I, man. It's it's not often that I'm wrong, but um, I I think I am conceding that I'm I, I I'm wrong now because I watched the first one and I and I actually enjoyed it. I kind of really watched it this time, and I thought, oh shit, I watched the second one. So I watched the second one. And this this is actually last week before we did the, the the last episode. Right. But I went to watch the third one, right? I'm thinking, shit, man, they've made a third. Um, and it, it's basically one long continuous film, isn't it? Really? Yes. If you think about it. The chapters. But yeah. The first time the first time this has ever happened to me, I download I put uh, paid for it, like rented it on Prime. I think it was like four quid. And it kept buffering. Like I've never had that ever with with anything like Prime or Netflix. It was like at one point unwatchable. So I wow. just, I just had to stop stop watching it. So I I watched about twelve seconds of John Wick three Parabellum. <laughs> Don't know why they had to call it that, but um, and and now you're in training to do some of your own John Wick style vengeance on whoever is your internet provider or whichever streaming I'm, service. I'm a, I'm a man, of, man of peace. I think I would be a little bit more cerebral about um getting payback. I'd probably just not pay my bill, but I won't. I'll just I'll just you just pay your bill and just 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 suffer. <laughs> it's, it's been fine, other than that one instance. Maybe I I, I don't know. Maybe it's just that John Wick was. Maybe a lot of people were watching it. I don't, I don't know. But They're an excellent whatever. series of films. I I will um. If you want, based on the fact that you've just, for the first time in a long time, admitted that you're wrong, have you watched the film Nobody yet? The, the film is called Nobody. Yeah, watched, you have seen that. I watched that a long, a long while ago with, um, uh, don't tell me his name, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, fuck, what's his name, man? Um, give me the, give me his first name. Bob. Bob Odenkirk. That's oh, the I one. That That's the badger. Yeah, I love that, man. That's really, as well, it's, it's a bit like... Uh, um, a uh, kind of a a more a slightly more comedic, self-aware version of uh, Taken, isn't it? Really, a little yeah. bit like that with a smashing um, of got... Take. Uh, sorry, not Taken. Smashing of John Wick in there as well for for good measure. It's got that kind of vibe. 
Yeah, it's got a lot. It's it's heavily influenced as well, I think, by not quite as cartoonishly, but it's got a lot of Edgar Wrighty style. Yeah, about it. Yeah, as yeah as Bob. I know a lot of people. There's he's got a bit of a cult following, hasn't he? Bob Odenkirk, not unlike Keanu Reeves, and there's a lot of people just really love him, whatever he's in. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was it was great in that year. I thought it was a great film. Nearly died, didn't he, last year? Nearly died. He had an heart attack on set for. Better Call Saul, the final season of that. Did he? he nearly died. Yeah, he literally did an interview last month where people were asking him, are you going to do a, a Nobody 2? Because obviously, you know, spoilers for a film that came out like a year and a half ago. Um, it does look like they might be setting it up as like a little franchise type thing like Taken and John Wick. And he was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm getting straight into that. Like I'm healthier than I was before. Like uh, I had that little scare, I had a heart attack or whatever, nearly died and um, I'm back, baby, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> Shit, man. People are dropping like flies lately. Yeah, not great. Um, yeah, I guess you're talking about Taylor Hawkins and that one. RIP at uh, the time of recording. That was a few days ago. Yeah, man. What a drummer as well. So, so sad. Um, we, we The intro to this has lasted way too long. But yeah, man. It's um, it's so weird that like the night before that happened, you know I'm into like drumming and stuff. Though. Mm-hmm. I, I don't yes. really play drums anymore, but I, I, I watch a lot. Of, a lot of what I watch on YouTube isn't like eating related. Um. And I was watching this drum clinic that he did where he was playing some of his favorite beats. And it was Taylor Hawkins, and I was just watching this video of him. Um, and then the next day, yeah, I woke up in the morning and found out he's dead. And I was like, oh, man, that's so sad because he just seems like such a nice guy. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I, got, I got woken up by him over half at like 7 a.m. on a Saturday or whatever. And the reaction to the news from her that made me wake up made me think that it was someone that we like we knew that had died. And I was like, oh. I was obviously really sad because I, I love Foo Fighters and Taylor Hawkins, and again, like you said, was, great guy. There was a tinge of relief that knowing it wasn't actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was that, and then, and then I immediately got sad again. And I was like, oh no. Um, but yeah, you are right. This this intro has gone on a little bit too too long, I guess. So, do you want to tell the folks at home who maybe potentially did not read the title for this podcast episode what film we are doing this week? All right, soft lad. Yeah, we're doing uh, a. <laughs> Stephen Graham in um, uh, Boiling Point, uh, which is a a very strange film um, in many ways, but uh, a very, very good film if you like films. And it's about a chef. So uh, it it does kind of fit in with what we do. Tick's all about, oh boy, do we love films about chefs on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we we dive into it, yeah? Yes. Damn right, do we love a good old film about chefs? Lad, I, I'm not even getting the, the 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 when you play the little stings, which is pretty much the only reason I turn up for this thing. <laughs> they're not coming; they're coming through, but like really, really, I don't know if it's like a levels thing. Like so you're doing some production over there, which means I don't get to hear them. But I hear like a little bit of the guitar feedback at the end, and I'm like, oh man, I missed the meat of it. But Tell you anyway. what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ramp up. Ramp it up a little bit, so the next one it's probably going to come in like your ears are going to bleed now, probably. <laughs> uh, see, the thing is, like, um, because obviously we're doing this from home and we're kind of playing about, and we we don't really know what we're doing on this podcast. We kind of just sort of fum our way through the audio experience. Um, yeah, if it if it ends up sounding a bit shit, I could do a little bit of uh, magical editing in the background to try and make it sound a bit better. Maybe uh, uh, reinsert it, but um, we'll we'll see what your reaction is next time we get to a chug, or no chug. It'll be a no chug okay. next time. <laughs> All right. Do you want to um, tell the folks a little bit about Boiling Point and uh, what it what it all is and why we're doing it? <laughs> 
Yes, indeed. I'll try to crack my knuckles. For oh, a, well, I heard that. I don't know if the folks at home will have done, but yeah, it was a beautiful crack of the knuckles there. Yeah, this one, this one should be quite easy because it's actually a, uh, a single shot film um, which follows a chef at what you are led to believe is a pretty, a pretty swanky um, restaurant, you know, kind of not like a really, really, really top. Not it's like not a, Michelin, kind of, is it? I don't it's, think, it's, I don't think no. it's Michelin star. Or if it is, it's not like, you know, a, re- a really pompous one. They've got a lot of kind of ordinary folks in there. It's not full of, you know, um, toffs. I don't know. Is that the right word? Can you say that? I, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a, a pretty swanky restaurant on the busiest night of the year. I think it's Mad Friday, isn't it? It's just it's taking place yeah. just before Christmas. Yeah, they mentioned Mad Friday, which uh, I guess you should probably explain what Mad Friday is if we've got any uh, American listeners or anyone that just doesn't know uh, what we're talking I, about. An explanation within an explanation. Yeah, like go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so uh, Mad Friday is uh, what, what they is like a slang term for the basically the, the Friday before Christmas, right? When everyone has finished work and they're out on the sesh, they're going to have a few beers uh, to get in the Christmas spirit. I suppose that, that makes this a, a Christmas film as well, technically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. In that it takes place near Christmas. But yeah, it follows Chef Stephen Graham, who is an, if you don't know of, you would, you'd certainly know his face. You might not know him by name if you're not really into films. Uh, if you're British, yeah, I think that's fair. More, if you, you're probably more like to know him if you're British, he's on, been in a lot of TV stuff. Um, but an incredible actor, it follows him, quite literally follows him. It's like a lot of single track stuff. Um, as he he's, he's a chef under stress, you get the feeling he's got some personal issues which are not revealed at the beginning of the film. Um, and he's obviously he's, he works in a kitchen at this really busy restaurant, which is overbooked on this night. Um, it sounds really more like a documentary than a film, but it's it's not. It's, it's actually really entertaining. It's gripping, and it keeps you kind of. Uh, you basically go through what happens at this this restaurant on this night. The kind of the relationships between characters, things going wrong, people turning up late customers sending the food back and whatnot and it, it gets to as uh the film is is, is titled boiling point really oh, where stress... see what you did there <laughs> yeah, you see? um uh, yeah and you, you see the stress ramp up. it's a very stressful film to watch yeah um but a very an incredibly well acted and uh it, i get the, I, i'm told this is I'm, i've not read any reviews of it but i'm told it's critically acclaimed and i can i can see why seems so based on any sort of sort of deep dive on the net so far like Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb everywhere seems to critically and just like fan wise just film fans I guess all seem to really like it. I don't think I've really seen anyone that's been like oh this is shit don't get it, don't like it. I don't know how you couldn't like it personally I don't know. I I, I think I get the feeling if you like films per se right so if you're yeah. into film and you are you like the, the kind of the, the medium of film you will like it if you just watch films in kind of a cursory sense and that you just mm. want to be entertained, I think maybe people wouldn't like it because it's such a weird type of film and that you, yeah. you, I can't think of any other film I've ever seen. I can think of films where I've watched them and a part of them has been like one shot. Like I think back to when I watched um, Old Boy for the first time, not if you've ever seen it, but there's a, bit, a really famous action sequence in the middle of that film, which is one shot and it's choreographed. you like, wow, this is mad that they did this in one shot. But this whole film is done in one shot, and because of that, I think it's it gives it something. But I get the feeling it might. When I was just reading the the synopsis there, mm. my synopsis out to you, I thought uh, I'm probably losing people. It just sounds like a documentary <laughs> about a shit night in a fucking restaurant. Um, but yeah, it is a good film. I mean, we forgot to do this last time we recorded, and I think we might as well just do it up top now because I, I will 
sort of say that in terms of normally we usually we, we do a little bit about facts a little bit about this that and over we'll talk a bit about the film and then we'll go into food scenes again like we mentioned on the burnt episode if anyone did bother to listen to that one back back uh, at the sort of midway point of this podcast inception um it's hard to sort of pin down specific food scenes when it's a film that continuously involves people cooking food all the way through it so Instead of going through all that, getting to the end, and what we forgot last week was that saying, should you watch it or not? Just off the bat now, we might as well say, w- would you watch this film? Would you recommend this to someone? Or is, are you going to go with what you've just said, that you'd recommend it to someone that likes film, but not? I'd recommend it to, if, if you don't like this film, you're basically a fucking toddler. Like, you should, you should, <laughs> if, if you are a fully grown adult who likes, you should like this film. Yeah. Because you might not like it in the sense that like it's... Ha- I mean, it is high octane in its own way, but you know, nobody's jumping cars between the Burj Khalifa, some shit like that they're doing in, you know, mm. Fast and Furious. But it is, I mean, Stephen Graham is a fucking, he's just an he's amazing great, actor. He is one of those dudes that, like, he, especially now at this point, because he's still pretty young for, a, you know, for a mm. pretty accomplished actor. You, I'd love to see him do some proper, not that he's not in A list stuff, because this is like, he is, though. It's weird, isn't it? He's, he's in some massive stuff, and then all of a sudden he just pops up in something like this, which, um, you know, we'll discuss in more depth later, but it's basically his mate's film, and he's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. That was, yeah, that, yeah. that was been a useful fact. What I think I was getting at is, that I, I mean, I know he's in like, he's, he's been in like a lot of massive films. I'm think I, I kind of see, I'd love to see him do some like proper character, you know, a bit like a Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Know, some films which like are basically built around him doing. He probably has done that. I don't know, but like he's yeah, he's just a great actor, and I, yeah, I'd recommend the film just because if for nothing, if nothing else, it will show you what it's really like inside a commercial kitchen. It, yeah, because. It, it, it's the most accurate depiction of that I've ever seen. Yeah, that is the the biggest thing I took away. So um, it, part of this whole conversation on this episode is probably going to be us comparing it in some ways. It's, it's very different to the other two that we're going to mention, but comparing it to Chef and comparing it to Burnt. But I got more of a realism from this th- than both of those films. But in particular, the closest sort of one is Burnt. But that's more. Yeah. That's filmed like an actual film. It's not filmed like a, an evening at a restaurant all the way through one shot. That's filmed like a, this guy's the protagonist, and you've he, he's a cunt, but you've got to like him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Which he, Bradley Cooper is is a top grade twat in in that film, isn't he? We we said this before. Whereas is, yeah. yeah, whereas in this, obviously as a, as a sort of aggressive sort of kind of chef under some outward and inside the restaurant pressures. He's a bit of a twat, but also you you feel for him, and there's a lot going on. And like you said earlier, like you're saying, it's like a incredibly tense film. That it's ninety minutes, and as I messaged you the other day when I watched it, I do not get this tense unless I'm watching Leech United <laughs> in ninety minutes. It's the the most tense I ever get is usually watching Leech United play football for ninety minutes. Whereas this film, I was like, oh my god, oh my, like every like every little detail that ramps up that boiling point the film title as you mentioned it's tense it's it's a good film so i, I too also rec- um, recommend this just to anyone and i do agree that if you don't like this film you you probably are a toddler there we've said it yeah. we've said it <laughs> let's just like let's not back away from that like if you don't like this film i i, I don't know what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, you mentioned stephen graham so just in case people cannot picture the guy he's playing andy jones who's the head chef he's been in snatch he he plays um one of the characters one of the minor characters in the newer pirates of the caribbean films um he plays 
combo in This Is England, if you've seen that. Um, he's also more recently, and one that you'll despise, as as do I, I guess, in a way, he was thrown into the Sony Spider-Man Venom-verse shit, and he's, he's in Venom 2. So, you know, he gets about, he's in a is lot he? of things. Is it? Yeah, he is, yeah. Detective Mulligan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's I been. Know, he's, I didn't know that. He's been. He's been set up um, by the looks of it to be toxin in uh, whatever future terrible spin-off of Venom Two that they make. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's basically as as has been mentioned there. He's he's in TV. He's in Peaky Blinders at the moment, the newest season. Um, he just pops up everywhere, doesn't he? He just does whatever. Um, he seems. He he's seems like, great. Imagine like Nicolas Cage, but like <laughs> like a British Nicolas Cage. More saying that mo- yeah, he hasn't reached that point of pastiche where he's just kind of taking the piss out of himself. He just loves being in films, I think, at this point, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't recognise too many of the other cast members, but I will mention a couple of them. Wait a second. Go wait, on, wait, wait, go I'm on. Not, I, I, can, I can only... I only know one other person, which I think is pretty good. Mm-hmm. If this is pointless, this I reckon this would be a pointless answer <laughs> because I did notice that uh, Jason Fleming is in it. Yes, yep, that's one of them, um, yep. And I, I know him chiefly be i mean he, I, like not like stephen graham he's, he's a, a bit more <laughs> of a support supporting actor let's say in the british acting scene yeah but um i know him chiefly from uh the league of extraordinary gentlemen <laughs> yes played, uh dr jekyll slash mr hyde yep uh, yeah yeah yep. and another uh, d- decent actor you know but he, yeah he plays the uh he's, i think it's implied he's maybe his former partner of some kind um yeah who's now a TV celebrity chef, and we'll we'll get into yeah, all yeah. that. But um, he he plays that trope pretty well as well, which is is quite a fun aspect of the film. Yes, he plays a guy called Alistair Sky. The other stuff he's been, he's been in Lockstock. He was also in the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. You've got Vi- I'm probably gonna say I always do this names and terrible Vignetta Robinson who plays Carly, who's the head sous chef, like the you know the most senior second in command chef that he's got. She, she's great in it. She she's really she's good. Not, I don't know. I don't know if she's from Leeds. She's definitely from West Yorkshire. Yeah. I, I, I'm getting that from the yeah, accent. Yeah, she yeah, is yeah. Like, oh, her accent is ultra thick. And if she's not from here, then she does the best the best Yorkshire accent. She's really good. She was really good. There's there's a particular rant scene in there where, where the chefs lose it with the, the maitre d' and the waiting staff. And she's brilliant. But she was in, she played Sergeant Sally Donovan in the Sherlock TV series. So where Benedict Cumberbatch sort of rose to fame. She was, she was in that. That's the only thing I recognise her from. Other than that, we've got Luruda Fabriza, who plays Sarah Southworth, who is the... I've probably got her name wrong, by the way. I do apologise to anyone listening. Uh, but she, she's going to be listening, pal. I've not even heard. I just mean, I'm just apologising to the general public for anything that I say that doesn't sound right. Uh, she plays um, basically the food critic that um, his, you know, his um, former... Um, friend slash chef that the celebrity guys brought with as a bit of a dick move. She was in the TV series Good Omens, the Neil Gaiman thing that's, um, you know, it's on Amazon. I think they're doing a season two of that. And she was also in No Time to Die, but I think she's just like a random extra as part of the, is it Spectre, the villainous agency thing she's in that i don't know you just shrugged Every, everyone else great they did, did fantastic we could rattle off names but I, I went through them and i don't recognize them from anything yet but they are very I good recogni- so <laughs> i did recognize i recognized the 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 maitre d slash manager but i don't know what from i've definitely seen her in swing you know the, the blonde lady 
Alice uh, Feetham is her name, and she played Beth. Um, yeah, I, I didn't recognise what she'd been in, but I've seen her in. I've definitely seen her in something before, but yeah. Anyway, um, that that is the cast. Uh, yeah, we missed the director as well. So as I mentioned before, I believe he is a well. In fact, he is a close friend because. He was on a show slash series, I believe, with Stephen Graham. So directed by Philip Barantini. And he did a short version of Boiling Point back in 2019, which I think also had Stephen Graham and some of these other cast members in. But it was much shorter, obviously. Just a a tiny thing. that They've then spun out into this. He played Wayne A. Sisk in Band of Brothers, which is what Stephen Graham was also in. Um, He played Bezpalov in the Chernobyl TV series, and he played Steve in the Responder series, which is out now. That's got uh, Martin Freeman in as well. So he's he seems to be like an actor that's gone into like a bit of producing and directing. He's like a mate with Stephen Graham, which is how this has happened. But it's a little pretty bit good. How this podcast started actually. You yeah, know? yeah. So you, I know somebody so you, who's, so you know. <laughs> who's famous. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Oh, um, so yeah, that's that's sort of the all the the casty, directy, blurby stuff. I mean, I, I have mentioned it before. There isn't a huge amount for us to talk about here, but we'll we'll try as best. Um, we did struggle, or I struggled. I was saying off podcast um, of our favourite segment, budget and box office, to find a budget for this, mainly because it came out in select regions in November 2021. It then came out in January, briefly, and now, as of time of recording, it came out sort of mid-March, we're at the end of March now, so it's on Netflix. So, obviously, if you want to check it out, it's on Netflix, but also, they're very stingy on releasing numbers, I've noticed with any Netflix property, they, they're very dodgy about telling how much money it's cost them to do and how much money it's made or what their projected earnings are from it based on, you know, subscribers or, or whatever it is that they do to work it out. Um, so I've got sort of a box office and I believe you have found a budget. My favourite part of this whole thing is budget and box office. Then you were like, oh, I can't find a budget. So I was just tinkering around when we were just ready to go on air. And uh, yeah, I don't know what you were researching because I found the what is the reported budget within, um, I don't know, five minutes. So we're going to do it like a different way around, right? Whereby you're going to guess the budget and yep. I'm then going to guess I've got no idea on the box office. I mean, it's only been out like on Netflix a few weeks. So I don't even know how you determine the box office, but anyway. It, it's a sort of an ongoing one, but I thought for the sake of the segment and the following jingle. How was that on the old ears? It was all right. I didn't get the beginning part, but when he goes, <laughs> yeah, I got that part. Yeah. Uh, yeah, courtesy of our good pal, Hi Honey. Um, yeah, so you're going to sort of rule the, the budget half of this. And I'm going to do the box office part. So I'm going to try and guess the budget. Now, the problem is, is you are, um, you know, I'm sure you'll like me saying this, but you're an experienced filmmaker type person. <laughs> and... Uh, probably uh you know can have probably a rough idea of what maybe a one shot thing is i do have as part of the facts how many times it took them to do this um which is a, an amazing fact i don't know if you've also come across this fact as well we won't mention it now but did you no, come across I, it no i no i have i, I yeah. yeah if i if i think i know what the fact you are yeah so i'm gonna to i'm gonna try and factor in what i know and what you possibly already know what we'll find out in the next segment um into my budget calculations so obviously small ish cast only one a lister of sorts is it 
he's on mates rates as well i, I would yeah, say he, he um, did it, to give you a clue he probably did it gratis if, if i'm looking at his budget yeah <laughs> yeah so um and also i i obviously can see what the box office is currently which obviously doesn't imply how much it would have cost it could be a loss but i'm gonna go out on a limb and say five hundred thousand dollars Ooh, well, I got, I've got it in quid. All right, in quid. English pounds. Okay, yeah, go on. So um, you'd be a little ways off. It's six allegedly 603,000 British pounds, which would be, what, about 780,000 US dollars. But I would say, given this is your first, it's a bit of a hard film to guess yeah. the budget of. As yeah. you first shot at it, that's a pretty solid guess, mate, yeah? Yeah, I'm, cheers, I'm thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm I, tr- not, I tried. I'm not get anywhere. I don't think I'm going to get that close with the with the box office. But okay, well, I will caveat this with this current box office at the time of recording may change by the time this episode comes out. Um, you know, it may disappear off of the internet, and there may be no box office to be found. But as it stands, this was of the 16th of March, so it's a few weeks behind where we are now. So you don't have to try and project what it may be when this episode comes out. I- how do you even judge box office by something which is predominantly released on Netflix? Like yeah. How, what, what, is, what is it? But I, I don't know. If that, uh... I'm assuming it's based on that brief release window in sort of the latter part of last year and the tiny release window that it may have had in select cinemas at the start of 2020. No. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it, like we, we've both gone like normally with this, in it, we normally do like big budget films or even even films that aren't that big budget, but it's still normally millions of dollars, isn't it? Um, this, at, at, as of the sixteenth of March, was seven hundred and five thousand and forty five dollars. So it's nearly at the point, even though it's two weeks gone, and it may have made more money or Netflix may factor in some money to it somehow it's nearly broke even um it's a shame because like it technically would be classed as a flop even though it's not because it's being uh, critically man. acclaimed I, and it's a good you, film you gotta really look you got to look at the topography of the the filmmaking industry now because netflix are dodgy as fuck so they, they do everything Correct. cheap anyway <laughs> and um yeah i mean they they don't really it's not anything on netflix doesn't really need the same amount of promotion for the sake of engagement as say a a cinematic release because you're not trying to get people to go to the theater and whatnot so i it's for me the fact that's recouped the, the amount that's made okay maybe it's not a financial smash but certainly it's got uh it's evergreen isn't it so everyone's going to keep watching it on netflix i'm sure especially when stephen graham does even more films people are like oh yeah she's a great actor they go back and watch this Fucking hell, I nearly just smashed <laughs> up my usb device um so i thought, yeah, thought you um, killed someone then <laughs> no no um, but yeah, that's 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 you can't say. But I mean, if you're making something which is bit clearly an art house thing, really, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, then to make your money back is all you can ask, I think. Really, yeah. Plus, I doubt there will have been much in the way of any at all marketing. So obviously, we normally used to say, you know, way back when we started this, double eight marketing budget, all that jazz. It, it's like you've just said, it's a bit of an artsy fartsy type film, very good one. So I, I just, I didn't really see any sort of advertising of this film prior to it coming out. I didn't even see any critical response from the early releases or anything. It just popped up on Netflix and it immediately shot its way into the... I think it was the number one film for the past couple of weeks on Netflix and now it's down to like eight or whatever. But, it, you know, films come out all the time on Netflix. So, yeah, no, I, I'm pretty chuffed with that. I think we both 
to, to be honest, even 400k when you have no idea what's going on, I'd I'd say that's near as damn it a win, mate. So we'll we'll pat each other on the back. Yeah, sound good to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we'll do the brief amount of facts that we've got, and then we can have a little chinwag about what we liked and found funny and saw in the film. We'll probably talk a little bit about the food mentioned. And then we'll wrap this up. It's going to be a potentially much shorter and sweeter episode than usual. <laughs> Thank folk. <laughs> so, facts. And I'm sure you've probably already got some of these because there are not many. You may have already come across them in your little research into this film. Uh, Adam's just showing me his gains for some reason. <laughs> I got the pump. <laughs> so, Boiling Point was filmed in the Dalston restaurant Jones and Sons in London, which I think is also set in like East London or something like that. It mentions in the film briefly. Yeah. Um, it is owned by one of director Phil Barantini's best friends, Andy Jones, with Graham's character being named after him. So his mate provided the restaurant and then he, he named his star after him. Um, he's well connected. He's well connected. This lad, isn't he? Uh, he's he's good, isn't he? <laughs> I wonder if he even paid the. St- he probably knows half the half the cast, man. Maybe they go to like his kids' nursery. Or I don't know, not nursery school or college. Uh, When's his kids' college? <laughs> well, a lot of these facts kind of flow off of one another. So, like the next sort of addendum, I guess, to that is that the cast also shadowed, much like as we learned from Burnt. You know, Bradley Cooper did fair enough. He comes across as a bit of a twat in the film, but he did try and learn how to be a chef and obviously John Favreau in chef is already a pretty decent chef. So, and they both put the effort into learn these guys shadowed the real staff um, in the restaurant to learn knife skills and also how to portray working in a kitchen accurately, which you kind of need when you're doing a one shot film where, you know, it, you, you balls it up and it doesn't look real. You, you, you're causing a lot of problems at you if you don't do it right yeah. first time. Um, and I, I mean, would would you have, I mean obviously we're watching it on on a screen and we know it's a film but just you know you've been bonked on the head and you don't know what reality is anymore and someone tells you that that's a restaurant you'd believe it wouldn't you yeah and i think probably a, a good substitute for the fact that you know it's not a restaurant um and that you know portraying it as a restaurant for the sake of the film the fact that it is a one-shot film probably made everyone stressed enough to look like they are working in a really busy restaurant. Yeah. You know? So that was, that's probably useful uh, in, in that sense. But um, oh man, the te- like the technical expertise of this film are just mind-blowing. You know, to get all this, you know, that not not you don't notice. I was actually watching it, thinking I'm going to pick up somebody's going to do something here, which looks like they've forgotten their line and they just you know recover it or they improv or somebody's not where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. And you can't, you can't see, like, I don't think you can see any of that. It's, it's, it's no, wild just it's, to watch it for that reason. It's almost seamless, isn't it? I mean, I say almost because I don't, I can't recall anything that wasn't seamless, but you know, maybe, maybe there is something, maybe someone will pick it apart at some point. But to me, to the naked eye of someone that likes films and was watching it, and I kind of had that little bit in the back of my mind, like you said, where you're like, you, yeah, oh, I wonder if I, I wonder if I can just like, you know, pull a little thread somewhere and be like, oh, oh, they did the thing. And the, there probably is, and I probably missed it. But, you know, I, I would say pretty seamless. Andy, the, the real Andy Jones, so not Stephen Graham's Andy Jones, because it'd be very meta if this was his quote. Um, <laughs> he put, um, he told Time Out, there wasn't too much disruption. It was like one big dysfunctional family. 
A few of my staff were extras in the film and my manager, Chloe O'Brien, was heavily linked to the producers and we catered for everyone on set as well. So, like you were saying a minute ago, like he's well-connected, he's got a mate in Stephen Graham who's basically done it pro bono by the sounds of it. He's got a restaurant that, you know, it's kind of, as well, the layout of that restaurant made it perfect for a a one-shot thing because there's not really any barriers that they really came across, doorways or anything. It's all kind of open, flowed, through, isn't it? From kitchen to to restaurant oh, to outside yeah. or whatever. When yes, but apart from when they, I suppose when they go in the back kitchen, I'm yeah. thinking, thinking, man, like if this if this camera guy trips up when he's going <laughs> like, through the outer kitchen to the inner kitchen, but uh, you know you don't you don't see any of that. And then and then they got the catering as well, and presumably this restaurant is a decent decent restaurant as well. So um, not not bad yeah. going really. No wonder budget's uh, so low. Um, Let's see. So also on here, and uh, you know, we've mentioned it enough times, but this is, this is technically a fact. Boiling Point was incredibly filmed in one shot. Now, Stephen was, um, you know, as we were saying before, like excellent in this. But he said in a screening in January, for him, it was the most zen acting he'd ever done in his life. When you're acting like you're always, uh, sorry, when you're acting, you're always told it's about being in the moment and living for that moment you're in. With this, you have no choice because you're actually right in the moment and in the environment. So just, yeah, like, you know, some people do yoga. Stephen Graham just does one-shot films like an absolute pro. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it did not look very zen. It looked quite the opposite of zen. So it probably tells you how, how good an actor he is. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the one it's worth watching just to, to see what it's like to, to watch a one-take a one take film. One, I know I don't want to steal your thunder here, but they did, um, they were going to apparently shoot it, shoot the whole thing eight times. Okay, this is the next fact. So you, you go on, you take it I'm, away. I, go on, yeah, go for you. it. I'm, go for I'm, it. I'm stealing. I'm stealing your thunder. Do it. Because of COVID, they they did it. They filmed it the whole way through four times. But the the finished film is one of those takes. They've not sewn anything together. It's actually one. I don't know which. It'd be interesting to know which take it was. Like if it was the first, if it was the second, the third, fourth. I, I may have that. So yeah, as you've said there, eight attempts at filming twice per evening for four days in March 2020, which if you throw your mind back to the hellhole that was 2020, I'm sure you don't want to. I'm really sorry, guys. But March <laughs> March was when it all, all kicked off, really, wasn't it? Um, COVID-19 pandemic was escalating in the UK. Um, after the first day, Stephen Graham and the producers decided it was too dangerous to have so many people together. So filming was cut short to just two days, resulting in only four takes, like, like Beard said, the third of which was used for the final film. So the third out of four takes of that film, the whole 90-minute shebang. Yeah. So it was, the, it was the first take on the second day then, you would assume. Yeah, was, yeah. Just nailed it. That is mad. I feel like that's... I wonder if they did a rehearsal beforehand or just kind of went straight into the the first... They would have done a table read, I reckon. They must have done. It must have been like table read, learn your lines. We're going to put these props in these positions. Because I did read somewhere that obviously certain props are sort of positioned in such a way that they can get to them. And then as the camera loops round and obviously follows the individual characters whoever it's chosen to follow at that particular point those props are then removed and taken out and disappear and you don't see them again and stuff so yeah it's, it, it must be like what's mad about it is that behind the camera there's obviously other people with like sound equipment and stuff they've obviously got follow-throughs wires going everywhere and everything but then there's also people scurrying around moving props and like moving obstacles out of the way and things like that. And, you know, just make it, oh, look, oh this is going to get caught in the scene in a second. So once he goes around this corner, let's just 
tuck this in or your foot's in way or whatever. Like that, it's insane to me that any, yeah. especially you know, the third go and ne- they nailed I, it. <laughs> I imagine it's a lot like you know, for the actors. I think it wouldn't. I mean, it would have been difficult, but it would be a lot like doing you know theatre, which I, I guess a lot of them will be accomplished with um, or at least familiar with. Um, but yeah, from a filmmaking standpoint, you got all the, like you said, not just the camera guy. I wonder if it was one camera guy. I mean, like, or if there were two men on like a rig because it's such a small space, you'd be knackered. Yeah. Like, imagine it at the end of the night, you'd have to get, maybe get one for the first shoot and then one for the second shoot. You know, like, like tag out kind of. Yeah, thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's mad, it's it's mad how it's done. I've got one final fact, and then because we were really really struggling because obviously it's quite a new film and it's pretty excellent as we've mentioned several times it's very hard to find any other facts about it at the moment um i've got a factual error <laughs> to go in the facts section as well oh, all right. because uh why, why not pick holes at something so stupid that we'll probably have a laugh in a second about so the the fact is that Stephen graham and hannah walters are married in real life now hannah walters is emily which i believe She's is pastry chef and i know pastry I know chef they, yeah I knew there. I didn't know her name, but I knew I knew that was his wife because I'd seen her on. She was in that prison. You remember that prison TV show? Uh, well, not TV show. Like a, it was like a two or three, four part drama where he played like a a screw. You know, he played like a, a, a prison officer. I think she was in that because he's his in this TV series. He was a prison officer, but his his son got arrested and put in jail. And then the the prisoners were trying to extort Stephen Graham by right. saying we're gonna you know fuck up your kid if you don't get like some ciggies or what. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, she was in that too, so I did know that, but I didn't know her name. Yeah, I, sorry, go on. I feel I don't, I don't know if I made this up, but when I went on her IMDb page, she may have also been in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films that he was in, or some big blockbuster that he's been in. She was in as well in some minor way. So I don't know when they met or how long they've been together, but yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't know that until uh, finding that fact out. Are you ready for your factual error before we move on to just a little light bit of discussion, yeah. some food, and wrap this up? Yeah. So the factual error, spoilers for anyone watching the the you know the film who checks it out, just skip on about two minutes and you'll you'll miss this. Okay, you've gone. The restaurant guests who had the allergic reaction ordered two old-fashioned cocktails, which would be served in old-fashioned glasses. However, they were drinking from martini glasses. Maybe the restaurant was just out. I don't know if that's an error. You could maybe just say like the, the restaurant was just like they didn't have that glass. I don't know. Or maybe they just served them in martini glasses. You know, in some places you get steak on a plate and in other places you get on like a slab of slate or some stupid shit like that or a wooden chopping board maybe they just serve their old fashions in martini glasses did you ever think of that factual error person on imdb did you yeah yeah. (laughs) by the way you could you could see that plot device coming in my life couldn't you oh there's some great setups there's some great setups should we should we should we move on to just like um you know i'll stick in a little transition we'll talk a little bit about the film without trying to spoil it but you know if we do then sorry and then we'll talk about a little bit of food and we'll wrap it up so i chuck a chug in or no chug no chug let's go whatever you like (laughs) good old bit of no chug there (laughs) i don't know if you heard it any better um yeah so we were just saying in the well the factual error section of the facts section um we were talking about the the sort of like the setups that you can see and obviously with it being a one-shot film there's there's a there was a few red herrings as well i don't know if you noticed like there was a couple of plot 
points that I was like, oh, oh my God, this is dark and terrifying and oh, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then it kind of, it highlighted a bit of like human emotion or element in one avenue, but then it never went back to it. So spoilers now, again, people move on a bit and we'll have moved past it, but there is a bit where Hannah Walters, um, Stephen Graham's wife's character, notices that her, uh, is he like the up and coming dessert pastry chef guy? Um, has been cutting himself. We that never that's like a red herring as part of the plot, in my opinion. So like he sets it up, and it's like, oh, that's it's a deeply emotionally impactful scene, and you're like, oh, these these guys are very human, and like it feels real, but it never circles back to that. And the other one that it does is the um, do you call them like bus boys or people that do the washing up and taking the bins out and stuff like that, like the so KP, like, isn't it? Uh, kitchen pot or whatever. Yeah, he's uh, late. He obviously, you know, he's wanting to just watch the football on his phone, which I suppose we can all relate to. We've done in the past, I guess, at some point. But uh, yeah, he takes the bins out and then he, he gets some drugs. And then you're like, is that is that going to turn up again in this plot at some point? Is he going to accidentally drop the, the baggie in some food? Or, you know, is Stephen Graham's character going to get it? And obviously there's the... The, the major spoiler sort of ish um, being the, the thing that leads to the final bit of this boiling point is the allergic reaction scene from the, the young couple that what the bloke's trying to propose to his missus and they have to do the the nut allergy thing just on like by shouting basically and telling each other in the kitchen that table 13 nut allergy because they've not put it on the system correctly and uh, yeah that that happens and they have she has an allergic reaction does the the girl but Speaking of red herrings, yeah. we didn't. Uh, we we originally alluded to the fact that um, the, the 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 restaurant Stephen Graham's restaurant, what's the, it doesn't belong to him, but he's a chef there. Um, has uh, is the 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 film starts um, by framing it in that he this restaurant used to be a five star thing, but he's yes, had a visit yes. from the, the the environmental health guys. Yeah, yeah, there that's another there. red herring. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was a fucking little shit. You want to smack him in the face from the start of the film because he's been really yeah. pedantic about things that yes. are wrong in the kitchen. Paperwork and, uh, mainly as well, and it is like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna knock. I'm knocking two whole ratings off because you've not kept your fridge um, paperwork up to date or whatever. Um, yeah, but it, but it also all of this kind of seeps into what what I really liked about it is that Andy Stephen Graham's character Andy obviously is the focal point of of um it's threads it's little threads of his his being being tugged at and pulled away at slowly and it sort of shows that yeah he's let that one go fucked up on that everyone's annoyed at him but it's not a big deal in the sense of everything else that's building in the plot and then that all comes to a head where like it, you know the finale won't go into details about what particularly happens but um, sniffs a bit of beak man sniffs too much beak. <laughs> but he he basically when, when it all blows up towards the end just just prior to that he he is set he set himself up for his own downfall like he's not punished the guy who's fucking about and not uh, paying attention he's not paying attention when someone's telling him that something's run out and can we use that when they've got a nut allergy case you know, potential problem going on, all these little things. And that's just like, that's like not even the tip of the iceberg, that first bit. And I do agree with you that I'm, I wrote in my uh, my notes for this that 
the health inspector is a bit of a cunt. <laughs> like, yeah, not a nice guy. <laughs> you're, you're dropping the C-bombs tonight. Uh, like yeah, it's because it's we're doing a, a film about like chefs and stuff and they, they get a bit sweary, don't they? So They do. They, in <laughs> fact, they, they don't, they don't, I don't think they quite swear enough in, in, in this film. But um, yeah, that's the, the, the it's... Again, it's framed in that this he's having a conversation when the film starts about like he's breaking up with his wife and you get the feeling that maybe she's taking custody of, of his kid or something. It's a bit vague and you get the feeling that's why he's been a bit distant and these little kind of administrative tasks are, are slipping his mind. And that's what leads to uh, the scene Jordan mentions there that the um, a, a guy's about to propose to his girlfriend, um, but she's got a nut allergy. And this French chef uh, who doesn't understand Stephen Graham's Scouse accent or the Andy's Scouse accent um, says, what what sauce do I use? And he's like, I'll oh, just use some of that. And this the sauce she ends up using has walnut oil in it. Yep. And that sends it to like anaphylactic shock. She's like, <laughs> I think he survives. A, a, but, um, and there's, there's so many like ramifications connected to that as well. Like, I'm going to try and steer away from saying any more because we've given like some key elements of the plot, but like, Everything's tagged on to another thing. Like everything just gets gradually worse, as the name of the film implies. I guess some of the other things that I noticed: um, the we, we have we have a, a twat at one of the tables who's a massive racist for for no oh, real yeah. apparent reason. I hate that guy. I won't go into full detail about it, but it, it's just one of those blokes that thinks he knows everything about wine and food and how it should be cooked and as soon as one of his his waiters is changed to to a different waitress um yeah he starts being very short and odd with her and you, that, well, that riles you up you, you see those cats on like if you ever do like, this is not me complaining like first world problems but when <laughs> i've been on like business class flights to you know when i do one of my series or whatever yeah you see that shit in like maybe not racism overtly, but you see people being rude to service men and not service men and women in the army yeah. sense. But you know, people yeah, yeah. are giving food service or whatnot. You see people being that rude all the time, and it pisses me off. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that put that wound me up at the start of the film. Yeah, it, we need to make sure. I, I don't know if you, you were going to move on to it, but we sh- we should really pay lip service to those three Cockney lads who say they're influencers as well. Yeah, yes. That, I mean, that was a big highlight of mine. I was just like, um, yeah, how do we uh, how do we mention the influencers when I'm talking to? Uh, you hate the word influencer, really, don't you? You're, uh, the you're influencers. Uh, it, what makes me laugh is that I knew you were going to bring it up, right? Because like, <laughs> let's just give a brief a brief. S- summary of the scene because these three it's implied that most of the people in there are i don't know what's the word they're maybe of more discerning taste than these three lads who are a bit they're like three mrs beards right they just want you you kind of start they don't really want hulk cuisine they want like something which is a bit simple and he's like oh we don't really like any stuff on here can we just get steak and chips and uh she says you know no no he said no you got steak on the menu steak tartare not realizing that steak tartare is fucking raw yeah or beef basically um um, and that obviously that, that winds up Stephen Graham, the rest of the chefs, because they're, they're making him go off menu because uh, they kick up a bit of a fuss. The waitress says, no, you can't have that. Then they call the manager over and one of them says, oh, I've got 30,000 followers on Instagram. Can you make me a steak? And she's like, oh, yeah, of course you can, you know, like, um, which I mean. I don't think 30,000 swaying many people, is it? Really? No, can you no. It's, it's a bit of a low... I mean, obviously, I can't talk. I, no, no, no one's interested in what I've got to say. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, yeah, it seems a bit of a, a bit of a low bar, doesn't it? Um, but it kind of it kind of angles towards some of the inner turmoils of the different characters in the actual restaurant and how some of them maybe are 
quite up to the jobs that they've been left with and what they're doing and it builds the tension but yeah one of them was on one of them's like an instagram influencer one of them's just the mate who's tagging along which is a bit like me with you i guess and then <laughs> and then the other one is uh he was on like a reality tv show called text my ex which sounds like the absolute worst in reality tv show but um yeah they, they get free drinks and food by basically free, bo- free bottle of wine don't they as well yeah just I so they can post some work. pictures online and uh be a bit sort of weird with the uh, the female manager as well, and it's all a bit yeah. It's just, just... I, had a, I had a fucking kick to my man. Like if that was my restaurant. Be like yeah, either you order the steak or you get the fuck out. I thought that, that was coming, but then I forgot that this is a hyper realistic <laughs> scenario film, and I was like, no, she's not going to back the the poor waitress who's already having a nightmare with the the racist table. She's going to throw her under the bus again however the story does have multiple points in it where certain people that you're a bit like annoyed at who work there or do you know like the the irk you in some way they do try and redeem themselves by being like oh it's been a bit of a bit shit you know shit night tonight do you want to go for a drink next week and we'll we'll catch up and talk about it or whatever like a self-realization which i really like with the film as well because it feels real like sometimes some people aren't like that some people sort of put blinkers on and you know they do stuff wrong or whatever and they just double down whereas that film kind of showed a little bit of growth in certain characters well just in one night in one one take as well which is pretty cool yeah but humanity yeah i I don't know um if you you picked up on this and i thought this was ridiculous but the celebrity chef guy um being too very very into our football football fans um uses a terrible analogy when talking about looking at the menu before coming to a restaurant where he goes well you don't go see chelsea without looking at the team sheet what (laughs) what what like what a, like yeah. I don't support Chelsea. There's like, there's a lot we could say about Chelsea right now. I'm not gonna, but like in general, any football team, like you don't go see Leeds United without looking at the team sheet. No, like if you support a football team, you just turn up anyway. Like if you like it or you watch it anyway, good, bad, terrible, whether they're playing I mean, like, a, the stinker or not. But I, I just thought it was a terrible analogy for for a guy trying to pretend like he hadn't already looked at the menu before going yeah, into the well, restaurant. Yeah. It- there were so many better options there. Like, I mean, I, I, you, the team sheets come out, what is it, 30, 45 minutes before kickoff these days? It's, like, it's like an hour before, yeah, and I'm just going to rip my ticket up and not go. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, man. You imagine, if I, that'd be like watching Arsenal, fucking hell, Pepe's playing again. Nah, I'm not going today. I'm not, I'm not going to watch. You just would never do it. <laughs> he also uses the word namaste when he turns up, and that immediately makes you think, yeah, what a twat. <laughs> this guy's not a good guy. Must be a bit of a fancy Dan, you know. Um, as part of my notes, before we move on to like food stuff, just because I thought I was very smart in picking out the red herrings and stuff, uh, have you heard of the phrase Chekhov's gun, where it's like a gun shown in a film, it's always going to come back and be the trigger's going to be pulled or it's going to be used in some way? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I just put nut allergy and then dash Chekhov's gun, question mark. So yeah, I kind of saw that one coming like you mentioned before. It just it just seemed obvious, didn't it? And I I thought from the very beginning with the bottled water as well that there was maybe maybe not not water in uh, Stephen Graham's uh, little uh, white bottle that he's been carrying around all night with him. <laughs> I, yeah, because it doesn't actually implicitly from the start no. tell you that he's he's addicted to booze and class A drugs, does it? No, but you you, you get implications, don't about, you? Uh, about the yeah the nature of the bottle, I'm thinking, why is he not just drinking out of a Buxton's? You know, it's like a cyclist bottle. The only reason you would have that would be to disguise what's in the bottle. You know, the the, the other the other thing I was going to point out is when he brings the um 
the food critic with him and she seems to be quite a nice person actually and she's like you, you kind of brought me it feels like you brought me here to sabotage this guy and his menu is actually like really cool and, all, and this this guy seems really nice she turns around and compares him saying it's like sex you go by what's there not what's not there and she does like the hand signal you know for for his member which i thought I, was I quite funny on quite a deep level yeah in terms of the food within this film as mentioned at the very start of this and we've been going a little bit longer than they expected considering there isn't much content to do. we just really like the film whenever we like the film we seem to talk yeah. more even when we, yeah. we don't expect to there, there isn't anything in particular we're not head chefs at a fancy restaurant um our main thing is that we've both already said this looks real like it look all of it looks real the food looks great um there's um, basically on the menu of of note they have um duck mackerel crab oysters and um what i liked is at the beginning when they do the big team meeting like can you push the the veg and the fish because we're running out of meat because it's like coming up to christmas and we ain't got enough in and then obviously you get the steak yeah. with the steak and chips as well did you did you did you think that the uh the turbot line was a bit of a nod towards oh, um yes at the beginning yes I that thought, was the like, final thing this... that was the final thing i forgot it... yes good good save there it's... yeah it th- He'd thrown it away, right? Because it wasn't labelled or something. I think. Yes. They, they uh, that's an expensive piece of fish, and they did not label it again. Andy, as we mentioned, plot-wise, plot device-wise, had not labelled it, and then they've thrown it away, so they lost the turbot. But yes, that's got to have been. Well, we've watched Burn. <laughs> this thing's a pile of shit, but the turbot scene's pretty fun. So we'll do a we'll do a callback to that. I wonder. I didn't notice any, and maybe you know, tweet at us if you if oh. You know, however you want to get in touch with us, because we we love it when people get in touch with us. If you can see if there's any other references to any other sort of famous cooking scenes or sh- like chef, because because if that is one, which I imagine it might be, it seems a bit random to just be chucked in there. If all sort of expensive fish that you could use, um, you know, or m- maybe we're wrong. Maybe turbot is like incredibly popular and it's what everyone puts on the menus, but. Yeah, did anyone notice any more? Let us know if you noticed. Is there a chef reference that we missed? Who knows? Um, I know. I'd, I'd have eaten all the food though, based on one, the fact that they look like they know what they're doing, and two, like the the lamb. Oh, we missed lamb as well. The lamb. I'd have eaten the pink lamb because obviously you eat you eat lamb from a, a top top restaurant like that. The way that they serve it, you don't like ask it to be back and cremated like the dickhead racist guy did. Um, the duck looks great. Um, I think you see a bit of like the oysters and stuff. Never had oysters before. Have you? Yeah, I had fifteen dozen of them at the the World Oyster Eating Champs. I actually wow. don't mind oysters. They were, those were fucking awful though. They were like Atlantic <laughs> oysters. I think the ones that are like they're massive. Um, they're not like little and kind of not sweet, but the the smaller ones they are a bit nicer to eat. These were man, they were pretty bad. But um, <laughs> I, I don't mind oysters. I'm I'm not like huge for them, but like if I'm in the mood for seafood, I think I will one day try them if they're on. Like if I go somewhere like good like a nice place and someone get like i'll probably maybe one day give them a go but as of yet i've not built up the courage to just be like go on i'll try oysters i think people think they're they're kind of weird and they got they just taste they're like a mollusk aren't they They just Mm. taste a a bit like um like a really they are a bit they can be a bit snotty the texture is kind of a little can be a little bit off but if you get them somewhere half decent, they're uh, they're pretty good. Little lemon on there, a little salt. Yeah, you'd be you'd be loving it, man. <laughs> oh, I'm starving, man. Um, I guess based on the fact that I need to go eat, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> also because uh, is there anything else before I wrap this up that you want to mention, call out, discuss, food wise or not to do with this film before we call it a day? 
I don't think so. It's just it's a really good. Um, just watch it. If you it. ever want to know, <laughs> yeah, watch it because like, if if you want to know what it's actually, if you've never seen behind the scenes in a restaurant, I used to do some retainer work for uh, a couple of restaurants, like taking video and stuff for them and, and photographs and whatnot. And I see what like what it's like in a kitchen. It's unlike um, at pretty much every other walk of life, and that it has not. Uh, to me, it seems like this the kind of chef kitcheny world. Has not moved with because everyone just fucking insults <laughs> yeah. each other. Yeah, they're screaming and shouting at each other all day long. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really kind of um, accurate depiction of the stress because it does look like a stressful job. I, w- I wouldn't want to do it. I won't be able to do it. I'll, yeah, no, you've you've got a great job just eating food, and I I I love trying food as well. I mean, who doesn't, obviously? <laughs> and that is uh, that is the aim of this podcast. So um, yeah, I will also add that uh, you are not prepared for the ending. Um, if you do watch it, um, and and that's all I'm going to say on the matter. <laughs> yeah, the, the the ending's a bit of a bit of a curveball, but yes, yeah, good film. Um, doesn't leave you with a happy feeling in your in your heart. But <laughs> might leave you might leave you feeling hungry though, which is 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 not too bad. Get some food after. <laughs> Cheer yeah. yourself up. Right, let's go to the outro, my friend. And that is our second episode of our return i don't it's not really a return because like we we never really went anywhere it won't like i never planned these to be like seasons of podcasts like some people do it's just you're an incredibly busy man and uh you know got got yeah, work, I, I got, got, actually... got work around the talent haven't I? <laughs> yeah that's, that's true um but yeah i don't know what number that is like total we're up to 22 number. episode 22 Christ, that's I know. like a life's work, man. <laughs> it's like it'd be like some sort of some some uh, far flung sort of future race of humans are going to dig this through like the detritus of Earth, what, dig it what out. What are these people doing? <laughs> what the hell were these people listening to two hundred years ago? And what is what is a podcast? <laughs> we live in the metaverse now. <laughs> um, anyway, we. Are available wherever you get your podcasts and if it is in the far-flung future and it is on the metaverse then you'll find us on there hopefully and if not just search for movie mouthfuls podcast on whatever device you're on um you know probably not if it's anything like predating like modern technology because you you know try to do it on a calculator or something you will find us but <laughs> if, you, if you do it on uh your chosen favorite podcast provider for example you will find us make sure to give us a subscribe or a follow if um, instead of the subscription button it says follow do that instead just just follow the instructions give us a star review for the podcast it usually helps out i would say usually we haven't added any for a while but if you if you're going to do it that will hopefully get us in front of some new people um especially on apple Podcasts, where you can leave a little review and we usually read those out because we, we do enjoy all the nice things that people usually say about us. Um, also on Spotify, as I mentioned last time out, you can now just stick a star review. I think it's somewhere up near the top where the, the logo for the podcast is. So if you can do that, that will also help. Um, we haven't got any any reviews to read this week, but um, as I mentioned before, we're recording kind of like a little batch of these at the moment, which will be coming out. So hopefully once these start appearing into people's podcast feeds, people will remember come back and be like oh yeah i used to listen to that and maybe i'll leave them a review and then we'll read them out in the future you can find us over on twitter instagram and facebook at movie mouthfuls you can find myself over on twitter at the film fella underscore and you can also if you are so inclined look for me on youtube 
I haven't put anything out for a while, but I usually sometimes vaguely talk about film and TV and stuff. Or, or you can go check out Mr. Beard Meets Food, who puts out content on the reg, um, because it's his yeah. job, and that's what he has to do. And uh, he hasn't exploded yet from all the food that he's eaten, which is great for both oh, yeah. his podcast and his, his uh, insides, I guess. Indeed. <laughs> and you can also... Um, he never likes saying it, so I'm just taking over his voice here, but you can obviously search for him on social media platforms and following him. But um, I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that because you're probably already doing it. If you fancy sending in any questions or you've got anything that you want to say to us or one of us, or, you know, you've got just something that you're dying to say, you can email us at moviemouthfuls at gmail.com or you can just chuck us a tweet or a DM or however the kids do it these days. Send us a message and uh, we'll either answer it or we won't or it'll be somewhat fun and we'll read it out in this section because we have no messages this week. Surprise, surprise. Beard's about to fall asleep, so I'm going to go to his favourite section, which is the Patreon subscribers section. If you want to support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash moviemouthfuls if you wish to do so and chuck in whatever you can afford. You don't have to do that, but if you want to... We no! Will... <laughs> if, if you want to, for any reason, you can do, and we will put it back into the podcast, whether it's buying random snacks that nearly choke me on the previous episode or um you know microphone setups so that we can do these podcasts from our home studios of sorts this, this is not a studio at all it's just uh, a little office in my house but anyway if you want to do that it's really appreciated and we thank you greatly again big thanks to martin scott and as mentioned last week our newest patreon maria for supporting us it's uh you know really appreciated and we'll hopefully be doing some of the other film recommendations you guys have have mentioned yeah thanks maria i mean you could feel free to just take that away and go spend it on like a subway instead I, yeah i prefer <laughs> it that way but yeah, jordan won't say that but thank you i do appreciate the sentiment yes um if you if you want something for your money as opposed to just just giving us it in in the hopes that we we do put it back into the podcast which we do by the way um you can head over to moviemouthfuls.bigcartel.com where you can grab yourself a shirt or a mug or or a hoodie or whatever is still on there. I need to, to double check. I know some people were buying before Christmas though. Um, if you use the code mouthfuls, we will knock 10% off that order just to make it as cheap as humanly possible without us going into a negative. So yeah, if you want some merch, go for it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Thanks for that. I really, really needed your support there, babe. <laughs> I thought so. Um, thank you as always to Lee and Hi Honey for all the music and the jingles on the pod as mentioned the other week and by the time this airs you should be able to head over to the YouTube channel for Exits or EXTS the band that Lee is now part of and check out their new single Breathe um, excellent music video excellent song as I mentioned to Beard earlier on this week it kind of to me sounds like a, a Yorkshire funeral for a friend which we're both big big fans of that band so um, yeah we enjoy that if you want to give them some support go look for them on Twitter and Instagram it's EXTS underscore band I'm sure they'll love that and uh, you'll be doing them a big favour in listening to their sweet sweet tunes <laughs> yeah, I was to say anything then yeah good whatever, whatever the film fella just said go do it I was just 
reading some stupid comment from a person that just just like you you don't want to know man just are you, get, are you getting comment. abuse are you getting dragged into youtube abuse no it's just somebody just asked me like how much i just read a comment on on the a facebook a video that i repost on facebook and it says how much is the meal if you lose literally four seconds into the video i say <laughs> bob how much is this meal and he goes 70 dollars so they, they didn't even get to four seconds that, that fucking TikTok's got a lot to answer. Okay, your attention's your attention's just being killed slowly. <laughs> yeah. uh, finally, we will give a huge thank you, as always, to Damon for all the lovely artwork on the merchandise and on the Movie Mouthfuls podcast image. I guess uh, we will be back very soon, as promised previously. But until then, remember to never do drugs and cook because uh, it doesn't end well. Never do drugs and cook and and cook and because it won't end well. Did you just literally just repeat what I said? No, you said cook. I said coke. Did you say coke or cook? I, I, I said cook, but uh, yeah, I, 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 just, I just thought you were repeating me. Uh, no, I like, yeah, never never do, what, the, the, the beverage? Or, or the drug? Well, he, sn- he, he, he sniffs tons of coke at the end, doesn't he? Correct, he does. And on that note, we'll see you next sniffs, week. No, wait, 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 no, wait, before you go, real quick. He sniffs it in the most hectic way. But not that I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't take any kind of drug, right? But normally people do it in a line, don't you? He kind of piles it up in this weird kind of, um, kind of patchwork on it on his desk and just sniffs little spots of it. He's, he's, he's hit, <laughs> which did make me laugh. He's hit boiling point, my friend. He's hit boiling yeah. point. The name and of the film. Way to end the podcast. Yeah, great way to end the podcast. Peace. Anyway, yeah, don't do drugs, kids. Peace. Wow, we. <laughs> I'm sweat my fucking pwebs off here, man. Like, it's really fucking hot in this room.